Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Greetings in Jesus' name. Can we greet everyone in our streaming family? We've got a full house today. Welcome. I was going to say welcome, Warners. Well, we have half and half. Half the house is here. Half the house is at home. We love you. Welcome streaming loved ones. Oh, have you come here on a delicious day. Today, we are going to bless all of God's Josephs. Do you know God has Josephs all over the world? And they are, if you don't know who Joseph is, you can just hang on a few minutes. You're going to get a double dose of the Holy Ghost from coast to coast. But you know, today I feel the Lord wanting to affirm his Josephs. And I want him to just to be able to use me in any way uh, to bless those of the Joseph band. He told me we're going to be streaming to Joseph's. We're going to be listened to in this particular message by the Joseph, some all around the world. And I just want to encourage you, Joseph, your time is coming. Your time is coming. Your time is coming. How many of you know the Lord is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent? Hath he spoken and shall he not do? Hath he said and shall he not make it good? You can hang around liars, but God isn't a liar. Every word of the Lord will never return to him without fulfilling the purpose for which he sent it. Isn't that good news? Last week we studied Samuel and we found that not one word he ever spoke prophetically fell to the ground without absolute fulfillment. From Dan to Beersheba, and our text has been 1 Samuel 3.11. Here we are again. I will work a work in your day that's going to make every ear tingle. We're in a series called ear, a season of ear tingling. Well, we found out that God is the ear tingling God, that ear tingling testimonies are testimonies that you hear that make you go, oh, no, in a good way. What? They take your breath away, just like you're the queen of Sheba. You know, he can still take your breath away. God is a God who took the queen of Sheba's breath away, and when you can take a queen's breath away who's seen it all, done it all, had it all, heard it all, been everywhere, when you can take a queen's breath away, you know it's God at work at the base of that. He can make a pro blush. He can still surprise you with joy that you've never dreamed of. So I want to bless the Josephs today. I'm aware that I'm dealing with a holy day and I'm encouraging his beautiful men, women, boys, and girls who are the Josephs of this world. Aren't you ready for some ear-tingling things? Well, we've been looking at pairs together. We looked at the fact that Reuben was removed as Jacob's firstborn, yet Judah took his place Last week, we looked at Eli and Samuel, and we looked at the religious world. God is bringing down the religious spirit, the Eli spirit, in order that he can place the Samuel spirit in place. And loved one, when Samuel was put in his place, the silence of God was broken. 
And I want to encourage you that there has been a silence of God. Isaiah said, for a long time, I have been silent. But now I'm going to scream like a woman giving birth. How many know what that experience is like in the room? (laughs) I've been in that room. Hey! (laughs) I've heard language in that birthing room I cannot repeat. What a strange idea that God says, oh, I've been silent. But you just wait. I'm not just going to break the silence. I'm going to scream like a woman at the peak of travail giving birth. You never forget that sound. That may be before the drugs kicked in. I've even heard that scream after the drugs kicked in. We had a very nervous guy who was doing that. I said, I think you didn't give enough of a dose there. (laughs) The silence is about to be broken. Good news. So we've dealt with couplets. We've dealt with pairs. We're going to deal now with one person today. We're looking at the principle of God taking one down and putting one up in Psalm 75, 6 and 7. Promotion comes not from the east or the west or the or the south, but it comes from the Lord who puts up one and puts down another. Aren't you glad that God knows how to put one up and put one down? Now, he may not put the one down you want him to put down yet. Hold on. It's like the weather in California. If you don't like it, wait a minute. He is sovereignly moving chess pieces on his chessboard, beloved. We are privileged to live in the greatest hour, I believe, in the history of the church. We are on the brink of the greatest outpouring of God in human history. I don't want to, I wish I lived in Jesus' day and we would have some fun. No, there were no toilets, no heated water. It was a nightmare. You don't want to live back in the day of Jesus. You want to live now on the cusp of all of the fulfillments, as we're standing at at the end of the age, and part of the end of the age involves God raising up his Josephs and fulfilling his word to them. Can I just read you a, a text today from Psalm 105? We've looked at couplets, we've looked at sets, we've looked at pairs, but today we're going to look at, we're going to see when God counts by ones, what does it look like when he takes one person and puts them down in order to put them up? Did you know he'll put you down before he puts you up sometimes? Whom God will use greatly, he will hurt deeply. Psalm 105, 16 through 22, he called down a famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food, and he sent a man before them. 
Joseph sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him. The rulers of people set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased and teach his elders wisdom. May God bless the reading of his word. Psalm 105 is telling the story. Many of you say, Craig, I've heard of Joseph from this pulpit more than I've heard of Christ. Well, Joseph is a type of Christ. In the Bible, he bears more typological significance with regard to the future Messiah than any other figure. He's important. Those of you that don't know Joseph's story, it's a very interesting story. It covers Genesis chapter 37 all the way to chapter 51. And he begins at 17, and he's given a promise, a staggering promise that seems inconceivable. Now, you would never give a 17-year-old a word like this. The word he received was, your brothers and your mother and your father, everyone's going to bow down to you. He had one dream. And he ran to his brothers and says, guess what? I had a dream. Watch who you share your dreams with. Shouldn't be point number one. I had a dream. And you were there, and you were there, and you were there, and you were all bowing down before me. Well, these kids don't like him anyway because he's daddy's favorite boy, and he's wearing a coat of many colors. But if you just could get a little Ben Gay and rub it into their eyes a bit. You ever had a little bit of Ben Gay in your eye? Joseph was Ben Gay to his brothers. And then he had a second dream. And the sun and the moon and the stars and everybody bowed down to me and you're all going to kneel before me and I'm going to rule over you. Now, <laughs> oh God, have mercy. <laughs> Did you ever say something then you went away and went, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> the editor in your brain didn't stop before those words came out. Oh, Lord. So his brothers aren't too pleased with him, and so they take him. He goes from the promise to the pit to Potiphar's house to prison to prominence. How many peas does he have? He's an old Baptist at heart. From the promise to the pit to Potiphar's house to prison and to prominence. That's enough peas for me. Oh, loved ones, sometimes it's a process and a journey between the promise and the performance. Did you know that God's performances are always greater than his promises? The promise is the headline. They're all going to bow down. <laughs> the, the fulfillment is so complex and exhausting. In fact, I know where I'm going, and I just need to lay down before the Lord for a minute here. <laughs> the the fulfillment is always greater than the promise. That means it's more complex than the promise. Promises are simple and easy. You may have received a prophetic word when you were younger. You know, it'll just be a headline, you know, boom. But the complexity involved in unpacking that, because you've got to go from the promise, and usually between the promise and the performance, there's a problem, or what we call a process. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I believe I received the promise. I got it on Tuesday. It'll be here by Friday. I'm getting dressed for my pro. Joseph, his dream is going to take him places he never dreamt he would go. I'm talking to some people who your life seems to be an absolute contradiction to the promise God has spoken over it. Did you know there's some times in life where the promise of the Lord over your life is one thing? You and where you are right now, nothing in common to the promise. The promise seems to be a hundred million light years away from the way you're living right now. But here's the good news. God gives the promises. He brings the performances. He's in charge of the process. You will get where you need to be. Not in your own strength. Thank God for that. We can all do a high five for everyone. I'm looking at the room. It's not up to you, and you can't help God out. Don't try that. Remember, Abraham is going to help God out, Abraham and Sarah. What happened? Ishmael, that's right. And whenever you birth an Ishmael, you got to feed them the rest of their lives. Selah. In my own strength, I know how to fulfill God's word. Come on, bring Hagar in. Hi, how are you, dear? You know, when you go to Egypt, you bring things out that you never thought you would, like a sore Hagar. And then you birth an Ishmael in your own strength and you got to feed him. It looks, uh, looks a lot like his daddy. doesn't look anything like his mama. You know, you look at someone going, yeah, it looks like his dad from an angle. Well, Ishmael didn't look like mama, Sarah, because Sarah wasn't his mama. And all the biblically literate folks said, amen. Don't, birth, don't, don't help God out is the point. When you do, you birth all kinds of crazy things. And they don't go away. You can't bury an Ishmael. They just come back. I, always, I told a young man recently, I said, honey, if you, if you bury it, make sure it's dead first. <laughs> Whatever it is. Because <laughs> someone's going to open that box in a Tom Cruise film and it's going to come right out. So just make sure it's dead when you bury it. That's a whole, that's worth an offering right there. <laughs> so what I want today, what, what I want to do today is I want to look at the fourfold process that is always involved when God puts one life down in order to raise it up. I'm talking to Joseph's today. I, everyone I'm talking today, this is a mutually applicable word from the Lord. These four principles are always present when the Lord is at work putting one down in order to put one up. Mm -hmm. And as we look at the broad story of Joseph, right? Start with the promise, then to the pit, then Potiphar's house, then prison, then prominence. The, the prominence does emerge at the end of a process. How many of you know we were taught, I was mistaught in the, in, in the church circles I traveled in as a young boy, that if you believe you receive it, you'll get it whenever you want it. You're in charge, right? Just use the name of Jesus like a rabbit's foot, right? Use his name and you'll get his arm right up behind his back. Oh, 
quote his word out of context, shout it loud. You will, in Jesus' name, give me my way. Now, isn't that a little stupid? But that's what I was taught. That was the depth of my theological education. I had the <laughs> theological range of a Daisy BB rifle in my teens. Because prayer is not a means by which we get our will done. On earth, it's a means by which God gets his will done in heaven. Did you know, beloved, God who speaks his word is in control of the fulfillment of his word. We are here to obey. We don't need to help him out. But it may take a while. It may take a while. Joseph, we're going to find, is in prison for 13 years. Now, first of all, the Bible says you never go to Egypt. The f most forbidden place on the planet was Egypt. Whenever Abraham went to Egypt, he came out with trouble. Asor and Hagar. Whenever e Egypt was the type of the world, you don't go to Egypt. And so God says, but I want Joseph to go. Well, wait a minute. The Bible says, yes, but the Bible is an effect of which God is the cause. He can do whatever he wants. But you said right here, yes, I did, and I'm the author of the book. So he's, God says, let's send Joseph down to Egypt. Now let's look at the four principles that are always present, and they're present right now to everyone under the sound of my voice. Number one, God always sends the supply before the demand. Look at the story of Joseph. He always sends the supply before the demand. There is no need. For a Jewish shepherd in Egypt, do you know the shepherds were despised as well? To be a Jewish shepherd was to be doubly despised. Yeah, that's all we need in Egypt is a 17-year-old shepherd Jewish boy. <laughs> they didn't need him then. And sometimes you feel, Craig, I'm not necessary. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I am where I am. Hold on. Shh. God always sends the supply before the demand. He will send you before there is any apparent need for you. You're just sort of at a party without a drink. You're just sort of taking up space. Some of you feel <laughs> decades. You've been just sort of like, I'll just be over here in the corner. Sup? How's it going? Yeah. You know how it is. And then someone just gives you a glass of something, and you can just sort of, okay, hey, how's it going? All right. Good to see you. Nice outfit. All right. Some of you have spent decades at a party without a drink. Amen. <laughs> yeah, amen. You didn't need to be that confessional, Gretchen. She was a party without a Bible. We'll put it that way. Amen. That was a subtle amen. <laughs> God sends the supply before the demand. He always does. That means he will send, the scripture in Psalm 105 said, he sent Joseph before them. Who? His brothers to save them. From what? Oh, the story gets rich. Read Genesis 37 to 51 when you go home. Joseph is up, then he's down, then he's up, then he's down, and there's a famine that hits the land, and when a famine is so bad that Egypt is going to starve and all the surrounding countries are going to starve, including the Holy Land. Now, Joseph is all by himself, a little slave who has been sold to some folks that went by in a caravan, and he is now working 
for Potiphar, an extremely high official, Pharaoh's executioner. Great job, I think. Not too great in a few chapters because Pharaoh, uh, Potiphar's wife seduces Joseph. She's trying to have sex with him. And this is the time when, the, I mean, this guy, talk about bad press. She's with him. She's alone. She grabs his outfit. His, his shirt falls off. He comes running out like an Abercrombie and Fitch model saying, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Didn't look good. And, and, and Potiphar's wife says, he tried to rape me. He tried to rape me. And so he is put on a false charge of rape in prison. And the scripture says this was not a lovely day prison. It says that the shackles cut into his flesh. For 144 months, he was in prison, away from his family that he won't see for 22 more years. And he's done nothing wrong. Did you know sometimes there can be a turn in your life that looks as though you're being judged for sin and you haven't done anything wrong because God always sends the supply before the demand. There was no visible or apparent need for Joseph, another Jewish shepherd in Egypt, in a strange land. And there doesn't seem to be a reason for you to be where you are right now. You know, I always say go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. Sometimes you have to wait for a whole season of celebration to come because everybody's tolerating you. What's she doing here? What's he doing? Did someone invite her? I mean, why does she? What? What's his trip? I mean, he just keeps showing up with a drink and at the party. and yeah. He always sends the supply before the demand. You are going to wind up in places where nobody puts value on you. Absolutely not. You get the hug where they're hugging you in order to position themselves to see who they really want to hug in the room. You're the positional hug to raise them up high enough to see their actual prey. I get that all the time when I'm at Pastor Joel's. <laughs> Where's Joel? It's a great move. I mean, you, you could actually make it a workout. The Craig Johnson mediatorial hug guy. So you can stand up tall enough to see where Joel is. Where's Joel? God sends a supply before the demand. So Joseph is being sent to Egypt. No, it all looks wrong. His brothers hate him. They throw him in a pit, the type of death. He rises again in the type of resurrection, and he's sold as a slave. So here he is now at the bottom of a well looking up at his brothers. How's that fit with his dream? I saw you and you and you and you were all bowing before me. And they went, is that so? Throw him in the pit. How's the view down there, Joseph? Well, I'm down here and you're all up there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it looks back assward, as my dad used to say. Sometimes you, your life defies your promise. It doesn't look anything like the promise that's been spoken over you. Good news. You're just in phase one. You're in the process. But here's how the process looks. This could, if I would have heard this 50 years ago, would have saved my life in so many ways. But you're hearing it today. Who are you? I think I'm the guy or gal that God sent as the supply before the demand. Good news. What's the second principle? God always sends the supply before the demand. Second, God always sends a person, not a principle. Uh-oh. Watch out. He doesn't send a vision or a dream or an abstract concept when he wants to do his will. 
He doesn't send something. He sends someone. He always sends a person, not a principle. Well, we're going to send some gospel tracts loaded with godly principles and sayings and wisdom. No, no. When God is going to move in a profound way, he sends a person, not a principle. Now, let me just throw something in for free. This has nothing to do with the offering. Do you know why God will never send a Pharisee on a redemptive trip? Because Pharisees are the people who put principles over persons. They always put principles over people. They wear funny hats, and externally they wear all the outfits, and they go through all the rituals, and they look like they are it when it comes to God. But guess what? They don't know God from a stump in the ground, and they're full of principles, but they always put principles over people. Principles, yes, people be damned. When God works in his process, he sends the supply before the demand, and he always sends a person, not a principle. He sends you incarnate in human flesh. The word incarnatio, it, it, it speaks in its ultimate sense of, the, of Christ, our Lord, second person of the Trinity, who assumed flesh, moved into a tent of flesh to, to redeem us. But we as his children, his hands and feet on earth are to be incarnational. We're to be able to be the mineral and vitamin he needs on, in the moment. Love with skin on it. That's Joseph. He never sends a principle. He sends a person. A real, live, sinful, redeemed person. Person in process. We call them divine appointments, don't we? Divine appointments occur when a person collides with your life. On the phone, online, at school, in your family, have you ever, last divine appointment you had was not with the principal, some abstract idea hanging in the air. It was a man, woman, boy, or girl that he careened into your path that had the right word at the right time, and you, you were refreshed. A word in season to him that is weary comes from through a who, not a, not a what. You know, we taught for weeks on I thou relationship that the Lord calls us to have intimate face-to-face -face communion, hmm? subject to subject. And remember, the opposite of I am is I it. An I it relationship is not a real relationship because it involves you using a person, place, or thing. You're treating someone or something as a means to an end to get your will done. But an I thou intimate face-to-face -face communion, that's what God sends in the process with Joseph. He sends a supply before the demand, and he sends a who, not an it. A chair can't preach the gospel to you. Yeah, but we could put a little electronic thing in there, and then the guy, no, it still wouldn't be a who, still an it. You see, God wants to be face-to-face -face with you, so he'll send one of his incarnational babies to you. Hmm. You see, God's goal for Joseph starts good with the promise. He's up. But now he's going to go down. Why? Because God is at work in such complicated ways that you're going to have to wait to heaven to see the tapestry's meaning. Sorry. There's one word in heaven. Oh!
You can't know now, don't ask why. I always say, don't get hung in the why not. Why? That question will never be answered this side of eternity. Ask what? What shall I do, Lord? What is the next thing you would have me do? Don't ask why, because you will only tie yourself up and invite devils into your head and your house. Asking why is a category mistake. God will never answer that question. So quit asking. Ask what? What shall I do now, Lord? A catastrophe hits your life. You don't ever ask why. You ask what? He'll answer that question. The why question is so complex, and you have a little shot glass of a finite brain that couldn't process infinite reality by definition. So don't ask why. Pea brain. Don't ask why. But, but why? Do you know every time you do that, you're bound by demons and you never progress and you can't grow and you're always in a mood and you're stuck forever. When you ask what? Okay, catastrophe. Okay, the house is on fire. What shall I do? First, get out of the house. We'll talk later. What shall I do? Only Christians will stand in a burning house asking why. Why, God? Why? Stay a little longer, I say to some. Be the Lord's little sacrifice and get out of our way. Amen. Hold on, Joseph. You're right on time. He sends the supply before the demand. Secondly, he sends a person, not a principal. Third, the person is never who the people would expect the person to be. Oh, no. You mean her? Oh, God, no. Let me tell you about her. Do you have an hour? Uh, before we pray, I want to gossip so we can pray more accurately. Okay. She was married twice. And we call them prayer sessions. They're usually gossip sessions. Somebody say amen. amen. So that we can pray more accurately. We don't want to pray blind, do we? So her fifth husband isn't gossip delicious initially and then it rots in your belly because the people that just gossip when you were in the room as soon as you left took you up for dinner people always love to have pasta for dinner after church Dave Owen used to say they have pasta for dinner you know he's okay but you know he's always I don't know I'm just not fed anymore Do you eat at home? See how easy it is to get pulled by the devil into judgment? You can see a movie. Did you know there's nobodies in the body of Christ and they neutralize everything and everybody? You just they could you could show them gone with the wind and say, What'd you think? And they'll go, Meh. Yeah now. You know those people that just are, are rain on your parade, whatever it is. You could show them the David by Michelangelo in Florence. Oh, my God. Oh, I've seen better. The side's a little off. Do you see how you, when you're insecure, you can neutralize everything and think that somehow by pulling someone or something down, you're pushing yourself up? No, you're not. You're just revealing that you have a devil. That's all. That's why nobody wants to be around you. 
Remember the woman came up to me and said, why don't I have any friends? It's a mystery. I'm flummoxed. Did you know that he always sends the supply before the demand? It's always a person, not a principle, and it's usually not an individual. Anyone would expect, what is a Jewish shepherd? What with this kid? What, what is he doing here? He's not even from this country. Who does he think he is? The Gospel of John begins... He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, he gave power to become sons of God, even to him that, them that believed on his name. Did you know the God-man was not welcomed? Jesus was not invited to any theological party. He was rejected outright and rejected. It says... The stone, which was to be the cap, the most important stone in the temple, was rejected by the authorities. So much for the experts. It was the theological experts of Israel that rejected Jesus, our Lord, as the Messiah. Nah, it's not him. <clears throat> Who are they waiting for now? He's coming again. You'll get to see him again. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Moses came the first time and was rejected. He came the second time. He was accepted. Joseph came the first time. He was rejected by his brothers. He comes back the second time and is accepted by his brothers. Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. His brothers hated him. Joseph was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. His brothers hated him and threw him in the pit of death, and he rose triumphantly out of that pit. Oh, there's no end. I've got a hundred examples of how Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. Beloved, I want you to be encouraged. You may be right now in a place where people don't think it's you because they're waiting for someone else. Who else? I don't know. They don't know. What do people know? Nothing. I certainly don't think he's the one. Well, he's just, he's so fat. I, he's so annoying. It can't be her. She's just, oh, I've got a perfect figure. I'm, I'm prettier than anyone. Can you hear a constant demonic leveling of everyone who is of God that nobody thinks is of God? Joseph didn't look like the guy they were expecting. But take heart, Joseph. Jesus Christ, the God-man, received the same treatment. How <laughs> was your week? <laughs> and Jesus said, if you're my disciple, you're going to be treated no differently than I was. Are you greater than me? No, you're not. So get used to it. I'm sending you the supply before the demand. I'm sending you not a principle. But when I send you, the majority of the audience is not going to accept that you're the one. Whenever I walk in a room and people don't know who I am, they, they look beyond me to see who the preacher is that's going to preach. To. Who, who else is coming in the door? Surely not him. He doesn't know how to dress. <laughs> who's, the, who's the preacher? Him. He's a preacher. Oh, God. We'll talk later. <laughs> Have you ever gotten that? 
you're the man. You're the mineral and the vitamin of the hour. And they just, they'll just push right past you to get to destiny. Because the one thing they know is it's not you. Joseph's sort of getting that feeling. It's like, hello, hello, everybody. I'm Joseph. <laughs> and then it's something the Egyptians hated shepherds. So God says, send a shepherd. Oh. You see, history is his story. He's the one that gets all the glory. If anything ever works right. <laughs> John Dawson told me once, he said, Craig, you know what an apostle is? An apostle is a guy who staggers out at the wrong time, almost steps off a cliff, and all the other giftings have to rush in to pull him back from the edge. And then they all work together, and somehow the dream works. He said they're catastrophic idiots. If they, if they aren't saved by the prophet and the teaching pastors and everybody else, they're in their dreamlike stance. They'll walk right off a cliff, but you've got to sort of ah, keep them. And I went, oh, that sounds horrible. He goes, yeah, but you've got an apostolic feel about you. I went, oh, thanks, John. <laughs> Just call me the butt ugliest man in the room. Thank you for the encouragement. No, there's a bit of the apostolic on you, and you're bombastic enough to do such things. I thought, thank you. Was <laughs> ever heard one of those compliments? Was that good or bad or indifferent? Or <laughs> Joseph is going to wind up where he's supposed to be. But first, the supply is sent before the demand. For, it's a person, not a principle. And it's not the person, people, the crowd's going to think. But the fourth point, rejoice, your famine is coming. Hallelujah. As Dick Mills would say, there's a nasty famine coming. Good news. In 90 days, your famine's going to come. What does this mean? Well, it's good news because God is going to raise a famine in the land for you. Where's Joseph? When we last left our hero, he's 13 years in the bottom of the prison. And wherever you throw him down, he, he rises up to the top. He's so anointed. Joseph had so much favor. Jesus, our Lord, had so much favor, he had to practically insult Pontius Pilate to get crucified. That's the kind of favor Joseph had. They throw him in the pit, he rises out. They throw him in the prison, he's re leading the prison. They throw him into the king's prison, he's running that. And then finally, in due course, the Son of God raises him up. But a famine had to precede him. What does that mean? It means that people may not be hungry and thirsty for you right now, honey, and your talent. I, I've got my little gift for Jesus, and it's right here. Okay, they may not be hungry and thirsty for your little gift, but you know what? God knows how to stir up a famine that will make them so they're going to die. They're going to be so hungry and thirsty for what you have to do that you're the only game in town. But, Craig, I'm just a Ritz cracker for Jesus. Whatever you are, they're going to start hungering and thirsting after Ritz crackers. They're going to say, if I don't have a Ritz cracker right now, I'm going to cry. Go down to the store. Turn the city upside down. I will not sleep before I get a Ritz cracker with peanut butter. And then you, my little Ritz cracker peanut brothers, butter sister, you're a Ritz cracker peanut butter girl. See if Randell was here. He could... All you have is your one little Ritz cracker with peanut butter, and all of a sudden this major famine hits the earth, and you're it. 
Bring forth the one who holds the Ritz cracker and the peanut butter. Oh, this one? Yes, yes, let them through. Let them through. <laughs> you go, quit being so silly. I'm not being silly. He's in prison. He has no idea the morning he wakes up that there's a famine that's been in the land. It's in the Holy Land, and the famine is going to be the cause of his being summoned. Pharaoh has a dream. Oh, my. Joseph had a dream 13 years ago. Joseph had a dream. His dreams have not turned out too well. But now Pharaoh has a dream, and God matches a man with his moment. Pharaoh has a dream, and he doesn't understand any of it. And Joseph could profit, he could interpret that dream half asleep on his dream couch. What God's going to call you to do when he lifts you up is going to be something so easy to you that you're, you're going to be suspicious. Well, can't everybody do this? Doesn't everyone have a Ritz cracker with peanut butter? I mean, come on. No. It's you. Come forth. He gets up in the morning and someone just comes in and says, oh, Joseph, uh, by the way, Pharaoh just had a dream. He's summoned you. He wants you in a few minutes. Wait a minute. Hold on. Who? What? Pharaoh had a dream, the bald guy who's in charge of the universe, and he's calling for you. Okay, just a minute. It says he shaved and he changed his garment. By shaving, we mean he shaved from the top of his head every bit of hair off his body because you couldn't enter Pharaoh's presence without being fully shorn. And so Joseph doesn't look like anybody we remember. He is so different now. But he's raised up because there's a famine for him because Pharaoh has a dream and there's only one guy that can interpret it. And here he comes looking just like an Egyptian. Yes, your majesty. Had a dream. Okay, shoot. He says, you can interpret it, can't you? He goes, no. But God can. You got to keep the crowd moving sometimes. He interprets the dream, and Pharaoh says, you know what? Since God gave you the interpretation, I guess there's no better man to have oversight over this. So you are second in command of the whole world. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. He woke up that morning not knowing by the end of the day he was on a chariot being brought before everyone. He sends the supply before the demand. What he sends is a person, not a principle. You're not going to look like they think. But when the famine hits, it's you, honey. And there's nobody else like you. You have, you have a fragrance, a tone, a body language, minerals and vitamins that are utterly unique with all you're ignorant about. What you do have is enough to make them have a thirst and a hunger for you. I can see it now. We're starving to death for Craig Johnson. Only he can speak at our pastoral conference. On second thought, no, no. God forbid and has. Oh, Joseph. But you know what? He waited a long time. 
when I was a young boy, my first pastor was Ken Gullickson, and his co-pastor was a man named Brent Rue. Brent wound up being a vineyard pastor in Lancaster, California. We have a picture of Brent, and Brent is was one of the most important influences in my life. He was about six foot eight. He was a Swedish brother. He had a space between his teeth. He was very soft-spoken. He was like a Nordic persona when he would come up to you, but he was very soft-spoken. You can go online and hear his sermons. Very soft-spoken guy like this. And I was at a Mineral King retreat at the vineyard, and I was 15, 16, and Keith Green is in the tent, and we're all prophesying over one another, and uh, Wendell Burton's there, and everybody who's anybody, we were all shandang, shidalana, maha. We were praying on each other and falling down, and, and Brent, this stately, statuesque, godly man says, Craig, could you come with me, please? And I'm thinking, but we're having fun in the tents. I mean, God's moving. You know, he said, could you come with me? You know, and, and he kept getting quieter. So I went, come with you? We're going to have to shift to sign language because he's so soft-spoken. He walks me away from the camp, away from the tents, and down to the Kern River. And we sit down, and he puts like a piece of straw in his mouth. And he says, I want to read you something. And I went, okay, read me something, like a C.S. Lewis quote, something snappy, you know. Right? No. He opens to Genesis 37 and he reads every chapter all the way from Genesis 37 to Genesis 51. Now, I am sitting there like a cartoon. I mean, I'm like Bugs Bunny. I'm laying on my head. I'm bored to death. I'm on my stomach. My foot's pattering. I'm just like looking at my watch that wasn't even there. I'm looking at the sun, thinking it's like a sundial just to try to cue him that I think we're done. Read slowly in his inevitable way in Brent Rue. Genesis 37, verse 1. And he read all the chapters from 37 to 51. And I was just undone. By the time he was done, I was just, my eyes were like bloodshot. I had toothpicks holding them open. Bore anymore, and you strike oil. And he closed the Bible, and he handed it to me, and he said, Craig, never forget this story, because this is the story of your life. I said, are we done? <laughs> he said, yeah, we're done. Actually, this is just beginning for you, but go back to Keith Green, go back to Prophecy, go back to the fireworks, go back. And I was only 15. I think I was 15. I had no idea that I was going to be a Joseph who would receive the promise, then the pit, then Potiphar's house, then prison, and by the grace of God, in some sense, prominence when it is his time. I thank God for this godly man. He died of cancer decades ago. But he took the time to love me enough to take me aside to endure my attitude and my tapping foot. And everything he's spoken over me has come to pass. Joseph's, be at peace. You're right on time. He said, Craig, look at my age. I know I'm looking at your age. You're right on time. You're the mineral and vitamin. You're the answer. God's sending you, and it's, it's almost here. Don't give up hope. Don't stop now. The devil would say, oh, just stop. It's all, no, no, don't stop. 
We need to go from the promise to the pit to Potiphar's house to prison to prominence. We got to get to the last P. Hold on. God never told you how old you'd be when a famine came for you. So whether you're young, old, indifferent, middle-aged, doesn't matter, beloved. He may hit you early in life and raise you up above your, your peers. Good for him. His kingdom come and his will be done. But in the meantime, beloved, God counts by ones. All the Josephs are going to receive their blessings. They're going to rain down upon you. The whole second half of the handout you can read is on the blessing of Joseph. Joseph received a catastrophic blessing next to Judah. It was the greatest blessing that was ever spoken over one of, uh, one of Jacob's children, and the blessings of Joseph are going to come upon his Josephs this year. So you be encouraged. Bless your heart. Encourage one another. Some of you know Josephs that need to hear this. They need to know where they are in the fourfold process. But you know what? I just have a feeling God's giving, starting to raise up a hunger for you. It's like he gives a thirst for water or he gives a taste for steak or he gives a taste for ice cream and then he gives a taste for Dennis and Karen and Tom, Joaquin, David, Wendy. All of a sudden, someone's going to be seized with a famished condition for you and you're going to get the phone call. And you can know in your heart, I am the mineral and vitamin they need right now. I am the mineral and vitamin. I have been sent by God. Whether they know it or not, I'm the answer to your question. What a blessing. I want to bless you. Let me pray for you, Joseph. Praise God. Gretchen, would you lay hands on the people of God as I pray? Thank you, Jesus. Ian, would you lay hands on the people of God as I pray? Father, right now I pray for every Joseph every male and female Joseph, Lord, all of your precious lambs, Lord Jesus. They're adorable to you. You love them, Lord. You've given them the coat of many colors. Jesus loves everybody, but they're your favorite. And we pray right now, Lord, that you would impart a tender rest. Let them just go and take a breath and relax. All is well in hand. God is in absolute control, Joseph. Just sit in your airplane. What can you do for 14 hours in an airplane on the way to Rome? Relax. Just relax. You're on a flight. You can't go anywhere. Rest where you are. But I promise that every word God has spoken over you will come to pass. Everything he's ever spoken will not return to him without its fulfillment. I encourage you to hold on. I encourage you that you're somewhere in this four, these four steps. You're on the way. Blessing is on the way. Hope is on the way. Don't give up now. Be not weary in well-doing, for we shall reap in due season if we faint not. Don't faint. May the Holy Ghost fill you up with his glory. In Jesus' name. Someone say amen. Can you praise the Lord? Can you accept that? Can you say amen? All right, all right. It's not over till the fat Savior sings. Isn't he faithful? Isn't his word rich? Psalm 105. And when his brothers knew who it was and they began to weep, Joseph said, don't weep. God sent me before you. You meant it for evil. I'm telling the truth. But God meant it for good. He sent me before you to save you. Don't be angry with yourselves. 
God is the one that led me through these four stages. You almost had nothing to do with it. Don't be, don't be grieved, Joseph said. Isn't that a beautiful Joseph spirit? The Bible says his enemies hurled uh, uh, arrows at him in envy, arrows of wounding, and arrows of disgust. And yet the scripture says he had a bow and he had arrows, but he only sent back honor, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, and blessing. He had a bow, and like Legolas, he sent unending arrows of peace, encouragement. Jesus said, you want to be like God, your heavenly Father? Forgiving those you love is easy. Forgive your enemy. Forgive your enemy. The pearl is the Oyster's response to that which wounded it. What's yours? It's easy to love those who are lovable. It's really difficult to honor someone who dishonors you actively. That's the healing of every root. Can I honor someone who has dishonored me? Without God's help, you can. But you see, we're Joseph's. We're just called to a higher place. Others may, you may not. Others may hate, you may not. To whom much is given, much is required. Oh, don't you love the, God, the Word of God? Don't you love God's Word? Isn't it a deep well? I'm never tired of it. I've been in this book for almost 60 years, and I am never tired of what to find in this, this gorgeous revelation of God. So I want you to be encouraged. Amen. And you pray for us. If your prayer requests, send them in. If we feed you, you feed us. Amen. We need an offering today. I've got to put about a grand in the bank. If we feed you, you feed us. No manipulation, no control. In fact, we never mention it. But I've never heard a better line. If we feed you, you feed us. If not, God bless you. God bless you. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you put us at the right place at the right time. Thank you that every little Joseph is smiling right now because you found them where they are in the sewage pile. You found them in the prison, and you've smiled upon them, and you brought your light upon them, Lord, and I thank you that you will raise them out of their prison season and place them on top of the world in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. And can I just throw one more word out to you that was just tender to me? It says that, and this has to do with you, Josephs. Listen to me. It says that he was made as a father unto Pharaoh. Hmm? Joseph was made as a father unto Pharaoh. Do you know what that means? Would you, do you think he had to ask Pharaoh for 20 bucks? You know, we're really low. We need 20 bucks to cover our overdraft right now. When you, when Pharaoh thinks you're his daddy or his mommy, <laughs> relationally, and I thou with Pharaoh, you've got everything you could ever ask for or dream for. That's what Joseph was given. A relationship that put him up and kept him up. Remember, Joseph had been up and down and up and down and up and down, but God is a God who can bring us up and keep us up. He's about to bring you up and he's going to keep you up. And it's going to be due to the relationships of intimacy that he gives you. And I thou, Pharaoh was 
older than him, but Pharaoh thought Joseph was his daddy. Are you my daddy? That's a pretty secure relationship, don't you think? And then Pharaoh said, oh, you want your dad to come here? Great, bring everybody in. We're, we're going to give Goshen to you, the finest land that we've got. We, we've reserved it for you and your family. Bring them all in. It was that quality relationship. I think maybe God might be making you as a father unto Pharaoh or a mother unto the queen. Did you ever see the movie The King's Speech with Colin Firth? The guy who taught him how to speak, Lionel, he was the power behind the throne. He didn't need anybody to know that he was best friends with the king. Some of you are called to the highest relationship of your life to be best friends to the king or the queen. You need to be your Joseph in that place. Well, I don't know what to wear. He'll teach you. Well, I don't know if I'll talk right. He'll give you the right words. Joseph. He's going to take you places you never dreamed. And we simply say, amen. We accept it. Amen? So be it. All right. God bless you. We love you. And we, we, we said, the, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and yours and bring you peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.